Pigeons 420. Mr. Grow It. And Rob from Cannabis Lifestyle TV. From the Stash Podcast. This show is brought to you by Dutch Pro USA. Nutrients made for growers by growers. From the base nutrients to the explode booster. Dutch Pro USA is bringing you the essentials that all growers need without the extra bottles. Visit Dutch Pro USA or find their products on Amazon.com. Spider Farmer LED. One of the leaders in affordable quality LED lighting for growers. From the SF Quantum Board Series to the SE Bar Style LEDs. Spider Farmer has you covered without breaking the bank. Find Spider Farmer LEDs on Amazon.com. And AC Infinity. Innovators in the air game. Providing state-of-the-art inline fans, tents, and more to the home grower. Visit acinfinity.com or Amazon to pick up some of their products. And you could save money with any of these brands by checking out the discount codes below in the description. What do you guys think about, um, say, letting things go go to waste, so to speak, or, or waiting too long or doing things too early? I'm, I'm the king of sometimes doing things a little too early because I hate procrastination, so I'll just jump on it. But then sometimes, because of that, I'll push things off a little bit. So it depends on whether you're harvesting, training, flipping a flower, uh, curing there's so many different areas transplanting transplanting if yep. it's too soon or if it's too late or if it's just right mm-hmm. you guys ever fall into that trap of uh, timing oh yeah man. and it can be tough for sure i mean uh, you know transplanting in particular i mean starting with that like it can be difficult to determine when to transplant that's where a lot of people get caught up you know a lot of new folks get caught up is this ready for transplant or not and then if they transplant too early you know, the root structure isn't developed, you go to slide that plant out of the container, all of a sudden the medium's falling apart because the root zone isn't really keeping that medium together. Now, uh, one could say that you can still transplant then, the plant is going to be fine, you know, not to worry. However, it's just a little bit cleaner, uh, a little bit easier uh, if, if you had waited a little bit longer uh, to get that root zone built up so it holds the medium together. Uh, and then when you transplant, the roots are able to continue to spread out. If you transplant too late, right? Um, you know, particularly in um, plastic containers, you get the uh, the roots to swirl around and around and around, then you're root bound, you know, and you could have uh, all sorts of problems. It could be, uh, you know, lack of nutrient uptake could happen, um, you know, if you keep something in, in the container for too long. Um, I've actually had a plant that was root bound, transplanted it, and like the plant like didn't, wasn't able to um, grow into that new container very well because the roots were just wrapped up in the middle of each other and it impacted growth, negatively impacted growth. Um, so yeah, transplanting is one of the things. I mean, I think that that's a good one to, to start off with because a lot of people get tripped up on it. Um, you know, transplanting too early can be, you know, it can do harm. Transplanting late can be do harm. Uh, but transplanting on time is, is the way to go about it. But and, when do you guys usually know when to transplant? Well, I was just going to say, even transplanting from your cloner. So letting you yeah. stepping back a little bit before the full transplant is letting them go too long in the cloner or too early. I, I'm definitely a person who lets them go too long in the aeroponic cloner. And I've got roots that are hanging down here. And those are always harder to get worked in. It's, I feel like at that point, the plant feels like it's going to be DWC. It feels like it's going to be hydro, not DWC, but hydro in general. So the approach of transplanting at that point is tougher because I have to weave it through and kind of work it through. I can't just set it in there and, and make it happen. So the transplant pro- transplant process of from clone, for me, I need to try to find that right point. And that's usually, I feel like once you start seeing some of the roots just barely starting to hang down, they're not completely long like this. They don't need to be that big. 
But then if you're using something like, uh, um, you know, cubes or, or uh, rock wool, something like that, even still just a little bit of a little bush on the bottom, you know what I'm saying? And then go to the transplant because you want those roots to be able to work more. You don't want them to become too content in the container that they're in. Just like with transplanting it gets to the point where they're root bound. It's not going to necessarily perform like it would be had you have gradually moved it up into the, the proper containers. That's why some people will just go right into the large container to avoid all that. But I definitely think that I get better results by starting in a solo cup, working to a one gallon, and then go to my final container. And maybe that's just me, but I, I see that in my plants. Right. Well, you want to maximize their potential, but you also don't want to waste anything either. If you're transplanting too early and you're getting a small plant into a big pot, you're going to be using too much water and too much food. You don't need to fill that pot with so much moisture uh, or, or food. And, you know, that can lead to maybe some mold issues that can lead to excess humidity issues, uh, can lead to a bunch of things. Um, so you, and more and more importantly, if you've got a small plant in a big pot, you're wasting nutrients. You know, you don't need to be using that much. You could get away with a lot less as well. Um, I, I totally agree when it comes to transplanting at the right time. I also what I, you know find a lot of people struggle with is during the seedling stage is when when to get them from the seedling into either the next pot or remove the dome that's another thing or removing them from the hot uh, uh, uh like a, a, a warming pad i've got a a warming pad right now underneath all six of my girls and they are also under a dome more of like a sandwich bag. humidity kind of dome and if I, if I remove that dome too soon, they're going to die. They're going to wilt. They're not acclimated. They're not strong enough to handle the environment. So if I, it, same thing goes if I remove them from the mat too. If I take them from that, that heat mat, then they're going to freeze. It's just going to be too soon. So the rule of thumb for me when I'm, when I'm transplanting from seedling and converting to what I would consider the veg stage, because I believe there's two separate stages, seedling stage then the veg stage I'm waiting for about that third node that's typically that that rule of thumb it's when you kind of start training it's when it's when they're hardy enough to be able to take that kind of abuse so generally speaking nothing really major going to happen until the third node yeah and i think also uh, i would say slight cultivar specific you know what i'm saying because if I've got some that are stretchy automatically, because I, I, you do have environmental situations like not as, as strong of light or the light being too far away where you could get stretching genetics like that. But I noticed that when I do my transplant a little bit quicker, I'm keeping things squattier and it's working in that sense of letting the plant's roots work a lot instead of just the top side. And getting that timing down to transplant, whether you're in the beginning stage or in your final transplant is very important because you don't want those roots to get too content in that single pot that they're in. They get to the point where they do become root bound. They're going to grow. They're going to be okay, but it's going to take a lot more time for those roots to expand out of that net that it's created in there and go into the new media. So it's something that you got to address and try to get at in the right time. And in that right time for you may be a little different versus another person. Like I said, you want to be able to train your plan a little bit. So maybe you're going to do low stress training and connect it to the pot. Maybe you want to put it in a little bit sooner instead of later because you want it to be low and squatty so you can work it on that pot it just it all really depends on your circumstances you know the earliest i'll transplant out of a solo cup is when the leaves are overhanging the outside of the actual cup like the, the edges of it and even then sometimes the root, roots aren't uh, fully established keeping the medium all together so um, I, I do like what pigeon said with the third node i think the third node is, is pretty good guidance to just good pretty much fun. at the 
Yeah, pretty much at the third node is, you know, nine times out of 10, I feel like the root zone is kind of grown, but it's so hard to, so hard to say for sure, because I've had plants that the root zone wasn't uh, full uh, within that cup. So do you know why it's so hard to tell? There's so many variables. (laughs) Yeah, It's the variables. And yeah, no, I I totally agree. Cultivar specific, you know, uh, there's going to be strains that are far more delicate than there are ones that are going to be a little hardier. Um, and, and I, you know, you can, you can just think of the ones off the top of your head that, that, that'll be a little more finicky, but that's going to be, you know, you're going to play to your crowd. Um, and then, you know, once you've transplanted, you know, it kind of comes down to, you know, training, you know, when, when it's too, when is too early to train? When is it too late to train? My personal opinion is it's, it's never too late to start training. Um, you, you need to get on top of it. And sometimes you'll have a plant that you, you think is doing one thing, but then you just you don't give it attention for three, four days and it's touching the lights. Um, you know, uh, I've got plenty of examples of plants that I have bent over in half. You know, they went from four and a half, five, six feet, and I just <laughs> demolished it down to about less than two feet in height. And it turned out to be really good. So but but there's there's a time and a place, of course if you're training that late, it's going to be more work. You know, you know, you've got to, you've got to bring a lot more vegetation down lower. Um, you train too early and you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to stunt, you're going to stunt the plant, possibly even kill it. Uh, rule of thumb again, kind of the third node when it comes to training, you know, you're not, you're not going to train a seedling, right? Um, even if you're doing something like a flux, you're not, you're not training a seedling. You're going to get it out of the seedling stage you 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 are going to start training before the third node but you're not going to be training too early and you want to train before it's too late for sure that the the training of the timing is huge because that too late side is one of the bigger issues in my opinion because that's when the branch snapping comes into place especially if you're using silica or you've got you know a lot of wind in that room and you've got strong plants you you can run into break in those now Trey uh some years back made a tool that now is sold on the internet but it was just pliers with electrical tape around the tips so it wouldn't damage it too much but it's enough where you can squeeze it and kind of you know mend the plant a little bit before you do the bend so you don't completely snap it and break it but that's for doing um like super cropping in that sense you can't wait too long to do these things even using a scrog technique you're not going to be able to do that when you let that plant get gigantic tall and and, in its position you could try to bend it but it's got to be it's got to be mendable. You got to be able to work it. And usually plants that are like that, that are really big, don't produce a whole lot. So if you don't have a plant that can, you know, hold up these buds, it, it, it's counterproductive to do any more training at that point, in my opinion, from what I've seen, at least. Yeah. Well, you're going to you're going to do more work if you wait longer. It's going to instead of doing that work over a gradual period, it's all going to happen in one day. You know, and and yeah, you, you know, you're going to put a lot more damage in. You have to be more delicate. The 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 stems have gotten very. They they become stalks. They're not they're not stems. They're very. They've got bark on them almost. I don't know the term for it, but uh, they're, they're they're very stiff. And it takes a lot of work to bend them down. The the stem that I bent was like was a good almost inch and a half when I started bending it, and it took so much manipulation with the fingers. You know, it was painful. To my yeah, it hurt your fingertips. Yeah, it does. It does. And then, you know, f- finally, after enough manipulation, after the old how do you do, she phew, falls down. But yeah, it, it, it's going to be more work. You, you stay on top of it. The, er- <clears throat> the earliest I will um, do topping is at the third node. Usually I wait till the fourth or fifth node. The latest 
I'll do topping. Uh, I mean, I've done it after flipping the flour and just, uh, I don't get good results. Um, I feel like those, those branches that come up, they don't have enough time to really become thick and strong and able to hold up the buds. So my rule kind of going into it is uh, about five to seven days before flipping the flour is kind of the latest I like to top. Um, low stress training, uh, similar. The earliest time I like to do it is like the third node. Usually it's the fourth or fifth node is when I'm doing that first bend. Uh, latest I'm doing low stress training is is actually at the end of stretch, like flipping the flower. Still, as that plant's growing, I'm still bending down branches. But I'm keeping in mind that, um, you know, like you mentioned, some of the branches can become so thick and hard to bend. So kind of bending the top part of the branch, which is a little bit more... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Pliable? Uh, maybe Pliable. It was, <laughs> Pliable. Something-able. To prevent yeah. that snapping. Because if you go down the bottom part of the branch, well, you could easily snap. But, you know, I am kind of still bending branches down uh, into flowering up, up until it stops stretching. Then that's when I'm stopped doing low-stress training. Yeah. Now, for super cropping, I'm completely different than, than you guys. I know uh, pigeons, you can speak on this a lot better than me. I really only super crop mostly in the flowering stage first three weeks just when i'm having trouble controlling that um, that stretch i like to do a, a, a super cropping so the other branches can grow up um, sometimes if i have a, a branch in the middle of the plant um, and all the outer branches um, are kind of you know i have that main uh, branch coming up maybe then i'll do a super crop but you do super cropping very early, right? And I, you kind of touched on it, pigeons, but um, you're super cropping like every single branch, right? To kind of All build of them. them up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, yes, but just to touch, just to go back a half a second, um, when when you're training for the, the end of stretch in flower, uh, why aren't you going any later than three weeks? What's the, what happens negatively to the plant if you continue training going into flower? Well, you just don't need to, like, in my opinion, low stress training, the plant has stopped stretching, has stopped growing upwards. Um, there's really no need in my, um, my opinion to do any sort of other low stress training bending, certainly not any topping at that point. Um, yeah, it's not going to grow. Maybe topping, some, I, some might do that. But. I've noticed people with, with buds at this point having you know a cola that's up here and up here and they're wondering can i just can i just snap can i bend this over and and have it down and my my answer to that is and unless it's affecting and 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 touching the light or if your light's burning it or don't touch it don't touch it any unnecessary training at this point is going to take away effort. like a repairing phase has to happen when you it's got train, recovery time. It, it has to recover. It has to take time. And if it's recovering this late into flower, what's it not doing? It's not focusing on trichome production, bud production, uh, density, trichome or uh, uh, terpene profile. It's not doing any of that. It's got to re-bend that or re-mend that stock. So you, you don't want to be too late. Uh, this is why you spend the first three weeks of of flower training your plant because right. You know, you're not as intensely training, but you're certainly hands on as much as you were leading up to this point. But you want to be hands off after that point, because too late in training is going to have an is, is going to have a, 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 a negative impact on your flower production. I've lower, yeah, yeah, lowered could, yields for sure. Yeah, you could be in a desperate situation, though. Right. So say if you just slacked on the training, maybe your schedule is busy, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I've seen people who post on my forum where they have this one main branch coming up close to the light and then all the lower branches are actually pretty even with themselves. Um, at that point, if you're, you know, week three of flower, 
um, maybe earlier that a little bit earlier than that, cut off that one branch, you know, and then bring that, you're able to bring that light down and then you have an even canopy. So sometimes you need to make a sacrifice like that. Uh, the key the word better. there that you said there was like week three. Of yeah. That, that, was, the key. That, yeah. that yeah. was the key, right? So opinion, it's like, yeah, yeah the, the, you gotta prepare for those last few weeks of flower. And it's like, I, I totally agree with you. If you've got something that's a little, now I'm going to be, I'm going to try to propose the idea that you somehow bend that thing down and into the net or whatever have you. But yes, I, something's going to happen typically for myself. It's, it's an, it's an impact of the light. It, me in some way where it's either burning the plant or it's 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 touching or whatever whatever and that's you know that's when you're it's a little drastic some some cultivars are going to do a a crazy stretch on you and you got to be ready for that the maui wowie for example was one of those ones for me um but yeah super sorry take unless rob you want to take over real quick um i was just uh, just gonna say one one thing with uh same with doing the the screen of green technique like i was saying you can't let's say week three or week four, I think you're going to be able to get that bend and that growth through. It's not going to happen at that point. You're just doing a trellis. So it's, it's stability for your plant as where if you did it as soon as you flip into flower or before flower, you're going to be able to work that all the way through and be able to get that full screen of green and, and the full trellis being filled out and have a really nice canopy. So going too late or too early, I definitely think it, too early on certain training techniques aren't necessarily a huge issue when it comes to like plant manipulation uh, but when it comes to like plant mutilation, so to speak, mm-hmm. HSD that's, event. yeah, you want to be a little bit more careful. Don't go too early for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And flipping into flower, like we talked about being into flower, but flipping into flower. So what about too early or too late going into flower? Because I've definitely been my own victim of uh too late way too many times, especially with a tent. There's really a too late with a grow tent. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. We've well, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Chris. It's oftentimes it's a guessing game because it's so cultivar specific, right? Because you don't know what the stretch is going to be after you flip that light cycle to flowering, whether it be a 12, 12 or 11, 13, whatever you're doing, the plant's going to continue to grow upwards. Uh, and depending on the cultivar, you could have something that's real small internodes. It's going to stay squat. Um, or you could have something that's going to stretch two, sometimes three X. I've had plants that stretched three times the amount, the size it was before flipping the flower, which it gets crazy, you know, because then you've got indoors growing in particular, you've got height restrictions. Uh, it can be really tough to kind of figure out when exactly to flip to flower. Yeah. Well, and especially again, limitations on your height. If you have, uh, especially if you're still rocking HID, you know, and this, or even just a very hot led light and you can't go up any higher, this is going to be the point where you have to do that training now because you put it in there, you're going to have to bend her down and in worker tie it down a little bit because you can't raise the light anymore. You know, I've had situations where I've had that bleached top because I didn't, you know, work it like I needed to. And I waited just a little too long. Shouldn't have done it. In particular, it was DJ Short's flow. That one was just such a tall, lanky freak of nature. It was dank, but so tall. And I lost probably 25% of the flower based on it just being totally bleached. And this was garbage. But that was me waiting too long because I was like, well, I want to take clones off of it. I want to make it big. I want to train it. I'm only going to do two plants underneath this light. Like all these thoughts that sounded good in, in, in hindsight, but now looking at it, I'm like, damn, if I would have just put it in two, three weeks earlier, I would have killed it. Probably got way more yield than what I got with less veg time, but it was too late. You know, right. I've done right. it too early too, though. You put in a and plant too, that's not going to yield shit. I was going to say you, you too early is definitely a problem too. You know, when you've got some people, uh, when you have the desire, sorry, let me rephrase that. When you have the desire to, 
grow a sea of green and you want a bunch of plants in there, you know, um, you need to make sure that these plants are sexually mature enough to be able to bear fruit. You can put them into flower too early and they're not, they, there's, there's, there's no bud sites. There's no space for them to, to develop. And you, you do need, like in a lot of cases, you know, pre-sex indicators such as your pistils will show during veg, you know, and that's, that's a prime indicator that your, your plants are ready, but you're not always going to have that, but it's a prime indicator that your plants are ready for, for flower, but you don't want to send them in too early because you're not going to have the bud sites. You're not going to have that space for development. And then you're just going to end up having weak, loose budless larfy bud or even yeah. just larfy shit i've seen that my buddy swears by putting his clones in he takes his clone puts it in a flower and he'll, he'll grow like a hundred of them at a time so he does okay yield wise but all of his bud is airy as fuck and these are cultivars that i've grown i know they're not naturally that way but it's like the plants not develop enough to really hold the mature bud like that you know yes because they're, they're not big enough to be in a trellis even right now i i, I did want to answer your question Christopher, you you asked me if, or you mentioned that I, for super cropping that it happens earlier, and versus yours that happens later uh, in veg. Yes, yeah, I, I train very early on. I do have a this kind of like this ideology that you know the thicker, more robust the stem, the the thicker and more more uh, no. Uh, the 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 easier it is for uptake of nutrients, you're going to have a bigger avenue for these nutrients to go from the root system to the buds. And if they are thicker stems, they're going to be able to bear bigger fruits. Um, I typically try to grow a canopy. Uh, I've only done scrog one time. No, yeah, one time. This this grow that I grew was the very first scrog I ever grew, and so maintaining that even canopy is something that i've always strived for and in order to do that you need to maintain that that train that 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 evenness if you will through through super cropping and so almost immediately it's about that third node it's kind of that rule of thumb third node third node third node some can take it before some can take it after that's just the way it is but generally speaking you don't want to pay that much attention third rule third third node so that's when the super cropping starts. Literally the first, the, the, the main stem itself gets a super crop, bend it over. And that third, that little tiny weak thing is now sitting sideways, sitting sideways. The days, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So now flipping, now flipping back into talking about flipping to flower. See what I did there. That is good. Um, <laughs> we got bars too. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, looking at the plant, kind of just seeing if it's, one of those uh, squat plants that aren't you don't think is going to really stretch much when you flip to flower, and then you kind of tell the ones that are stretchy while they're in veg. Do you think they're going to potentially stretch even more? However, that can be kind of deceiving. I have a dead ops OG by Zaza Genetics I'm growing right now, and it was so squatty in veg the whole time in veg. Flip to flower, uh, and now the thing's growing like crazy, <laughs> you know, and it's longer mm -hmm. inner nodes, and like it's just. It was so, um, so opposite of how it was when it was in uh, veg. So it's really, you can't go by, you know, you can't, that's not like a sure way to go off of. Um, but that is something I look at, you know, how is, how does it look in veg? Is it one of these um, squattier ones with shorter internodes? I might need, I might veg that for a little bit longer than I normally would. So I can um, uh, assume it's going to stretch to, I usually assume that's going to stretch double the height. 
you know, I think most genetics, it's about after you flip it to flower, it's about, it goes to about double the height. Some will be less than that. Some will be more than that. Like I talked about before, um, you know, I had a square one genetics frozen fuel that stretched three times the amount uh, once I flipped a flower and that was outrageous. However, I mentioned before, it's cultivar specific. It's also uh, pheno specific as well, because I had another frozen fuel by square one genetics that barely stretched at all after flipping the flower. So it's it's such a guessing game when it comes down to it. But, you know, there are small things that you can kind of catch on with experience that will kind of give you a, a better indication in the future on when to flip the flower. That's, that's a great point. I, I like the idea that you separate it from cultivar and phenotype specific because that's we don't mention that enough. But the phenotype is a characteristic or has characteristics all to its own that other phenotypes might not have, you know? And, and so that's definitely something to take into consideration, you know, whether you're growing something like a, something generic that you got from, from the seed bank and you, you know, I shouldn't have said that word, but anyways, it is what it is. <laughs> Susan, I'm seed bank of America, the, the bank of America, bank of America, where you put your seeds in. We'll put a small edit on that, but anyways, uh, you know, it's like you, you got to remember too that 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 is 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 very uh, specific. It's 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 its own individual, and when you when you plant it, it's gonna it's gonna take on uh, variables all all to its own. Now, too little, too late. Here's something that I get a lot of questions about when it comes to we've already trained it. Okay, we transplanted it. We trained it. We got it through the uh, beginning of flower. We we harvested it, or, or we're coming up to harvest. And too little, too late. Personally, when I, when I when I first started growing, and for many many years, I pulled all my weed way too soon, way okay. too soon. Like I'm probably yeah, week eight, week eight, just week eight, week, week eight, eight. Week boom, eight. boom, 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 week boom. It, that's what they told me. That's what they told me. Everything's done at week eight. Boom, boom, boom. When do you flush? Two weeks before that. Holy fuck! I never even gave my plants the the proper uh, 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 sh sugars or anything through veg. So you know, it's like you know, we can even dial that back. When when do you start leaching? When do you start flushing? And if I can admit just real quick, when the plant is done, when it's finished, not at week eight, not at week eight, when the plant is done when's it done you're looking at the trichomes you've done your homework you found a thc content that works for you whether you like it high in the 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 kind of the cognitive kind of effect whether you like it more as a couch lock body high it's going to determine on the trichome development do you want majority of milky trichomes do you want a little bit of amber trichomes do you want that thc to transition into cbn these are all questions that you need to ask yourself and these are videos or these are topics that we could totally discuss discuss at length in another video but for me, when is it the right time to harvest or, or to flush? And that's when the, the, the plant is done. You're looking at those trichomes. You like the majority of milky trichomes. That's what you see. That's when it starts flush slash leech slash whatever your practice is. Um, that's when you move forward. That's when you start to start the harvest process. I personally believe that the leaching process or the harvest or flush process is part of the harvesting process. So that's when I start. When the plant's done. Sorry, I went on a little long there, but no, that was good. one of my you biggest mistakes. All the areas, dude. Like, I, that's the big gripe I get with people is they always ask, like, when do I pull it? Is it ready? Is it ready? It's like it, it's a simple answer. Look at the trichomes. You want a percentage, a small percentage to be amber. You're gonna want to try this a few times, so it's gonna be months later before you try it again. Maybe you want to pull a little earlier, a little later. I noticed for me when I pull headbanger at week nine specifically, right at week nine, not ten like the breeder recommends, my terps slap like butt cheeks. 
mm. every time. I do a little late, they're a little less, a little less. So it just really depends on the particular cultivar and the phenotype you have. And that's why I really like that a lot of breeders are, are identifying phenotypes. I got this white truffle cut. It's a particular cut of Gorilla Butter, the, the actual cultivar. So I can identify this exact phenotype. This is the only one I give a shit about. Every other one I've had is pretty, but nothing to it. And even the growth characteristics, the one that Trey grew is nothing like this one at all. So I'm able to really see um, variables that I can dial in because I know the specific phenotype. I'll know when I want to pull it. I'll know when I want to even drying and curing. Like that's, I think after that, let's get into mm -hmm. drying and curing when it's either too, like too little of drying or too soon of pulling it there or too late. Well, let me speak on, yeah, let me speak on the flushing and, and harvesting first, and then we can move on to the drying and curing, if I may. Um, so, right, if you, I think almost all of us have actually uh, flushed or started to leach, whatever you want to call it, a little bit too early, right? So either cutting off nutrients or actually running water through the medium in order to try to get that that plant to fade. We've all done it early. It's not a good feeling at all when you flush or leach too early. And then you've gotten to that seven-day mark, 14-day mark, however long you like to do it. And then there's still a ton of white pistols. There's still new growth. There's still, uh, and the plant is starting to yellow out. And you're like, oh, great. Did I, did I do it too early? The trichomes aren't developed. Um, so I think going back to what Pigeon said is look at the trichomes. Are they where you want to be? And then make that determination to uh, flush or leach at that point if, if you believe in it. Um, yeah, I think that was it. And then going on to drying and curing. Um, yeah, when you guys take that. Yeah, dude, that's it's a fine one for me because when I first started, I was so anal about it, man. I had a drying tent and I had it wasn't even a tent. It was a makeshift area space. I had um, a humidifier in the corner and a dehumidifier in the corner so I could dial it in exact perfect how I wanted to. I mean, a heater in another spot. Uh, in the summer, I had an air conditioner in there. Like I spent so much energy and my shit was always just midzy you know what i'm saying it never came out with that that flavor like i wanted to and then i started just cutting my plant upside down and putting it in this back bathroom that's not used and walking away for seven days and it's fucking fire it seems like there's this uh there's a fine balance where it becomes more of time and you know environment of course but you don't have to go too crazy with the environment my, my biggest issue was taking it too early where i'm like oh it feels good and it's dry on the outside i'm ready i'm good and then I put it in the jar the next day and it's completely wet, totally wet. It was just me taking it too early. And there's also having to go 14 days other times because I read that online. I'm like, oh, it's supposed to go you know, longer. The slower, the better it'll be. Well, then your environment needs to be really fucking dialed in if you're going to do that slow run. Because how are you going to have you know, 40% humidity and air blowing in your room and then you've got to plant there for 14 days? That's just going to just like mine did. And you, the fine balance between the two really makes or breaks that end result. Everything else we just talked about becomes irrelevant if you don't do that end part. So important. I think when it comes to drying, uh, a lot of people go by the snap of the stem. Yeah. Right. So once the stem cleanly snaps, um, that's when you take it from drying and then put it into curing. Now, um, oftentimes, believe it or not, for some people, that that's over dry. Sometimes if you've gotten to that point and you put those buds into jars, you might notice that the 
humidity, the relative humidity inside the jars are too low. You might be in the 50s or even lower than that and in the 40s potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, usually what I go off of is it, it not being like a super clean snap, but like if it kind of snaps, there's still a little bit of, of moisture in it. It's better, in my opinion, to pull it just a little bit too early um, and put it into jars and then have to backtrack Thanks. and take them out of jars um, um, and then continue the dry and then go into curing again. Um, now, those little hygrometers, one of the best investments, I think everybody should have those small digital hygrometers. They have uh, real small, they fit in jars, uh, and they also have the temperature as well on them. 20 bucks on Amazon, I think you get a, a 12 pack of them. Highly recommend for anybody who does not use those right now, does not have them to get them uh, because that's going to really help you. That's going to help guide you through your curing process in particular, right? Um, if you've cut buds and you put into jars that it's over 60, 70% relative humidity, you can easily get mold pretty quickly there. So you must take it out of the jars, you know, lay them flat down on a piece of paper or cardboard, or whatever, let them dry for a little while longer, then put them back in the jars and be really, you know, monitor very, very closely because this is, it's so easy to mess up this part. And the last thing you want to do is, is have moldy buds at the very end, go through the whole process and then have moldy buds at the very, very end. So highly recommend those small hygrometers, um, investing in those and have those in the jars to identify, um, you know, are you at the right humidity percent to prevent mold from occurring? Uh, and so you can keep those buds in the jars or not. Yeah, no. that's, that's, a really, that's a really, really good point with the, with the, the hydrometers and hygrometers and the, uh, the, the stem snapping. There was this weird mis- tidbit of information on the internet that that was how you dried your weed. Almost every video you looked up on how to dry weed was you wait until the stem snaps. And I had to get two or three harvests under my belt before I realized I was over drying all of my weed. And yeah. it, uh, there, there was no way to get that moisture back because I was simply wait. It was too late. It was too late. Now, when it comes to the hygrometers, um, the uh, uh, Mishigromi from the Twitch chat uh, has a good point. Um, and, and if you're watching this on YouTube, we actually do record these live in front of a live digital audience over on twitch.tv slash from the stash podcast twice a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays. And we, we, we have a live session after the recording as well. So if you are on YouTube watching this, come join the conversation, have yourself a great time and help influence the conversation. But uh, Mishigromi says that not all are created equal. That's a great point, but but not to overlook the significance of these hygrometers because yes, they might be off five plus minus five percent, but at least you're gonna know that you're in and around that five percent. If you're at sixty percent and you it could be sixty five percent, could be fifty five percent. At least you got a good idea that it's not eighty percent. You know what I mean? Mold doesn't form until over 70%. That's, that's kind of, again, the rule of thumb. So if you are pushing 70%, you got to open those up. You got to get that, excuse me, get that, that moisture uh, out of there, get that air moving. Um, uh, you, you, you have so much to risk. I too do believe that I'd rather pull it from the dry shelf early than late because I have a, a margin of error to, to work with. I, I believe once weed is o- over dried, you cannot bring that moisture back. You can, you can make your weed wet, 
sure, you can throw it in a glass of water and it's going to get wet again, but it's not going to bring back any of those terpenes that that evaporated, that degraded, that that are gone. Those are gone. So, so I believe pulling it early is a little bit better, but be vigilant, be vigilant. I've molded so much weed. So when you do mold your weed, not if, when you do mold your weed, you're just in a very, very exclusive club of people that uh, are ex- as ignorant as I am. So, uh, don't, don't, don't be down on yourself, but, uh, earlier is better than later when it comes to drying. No, one I other do tip, agree. One other tip when it comes to kind of pull, when to pull it from drying and put into curing, uh, is, I know some of you are going to say it's bud abuse, but, uh, squeezing the bud, uh, squeezing it. Once you squeeze it in, if it stays compacted, it's got too much moisture in it. You know, it should, um, once you squeeze it, it should slowly kind of go back to its normal size. Uh, again, if you squeeze it and it has too much moisture in it, it's going to pretty much stay compacted. So that's just a, a general way to determine whether or not they're ready for um, the curing process. It should yeah. crunch a little. A little, There yeah. should be a little crunch as you put it in. It shouldn't go, you know, there, like, it, it, like there should be a little crunch. But then, yes, it bounces back like a sponge. But, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I agree. I I think a a big issue too is a lot of people will feel like they can get better results if they do that slow dry, but they don't realize that that's where the environmental impact is so massive. You have to make sure that you're dialing in your room that you're drying in if you think you're going to let it go longer. Otherwise, once it's dry, it's dry. You got to understand that. And I have just a little little tip and trick for somebody who is stressing with too dry a bud. It's not going to totally fix it, but it can help so that way it doesn't dis you know disappear Oof, with one yeah, hit joy. yeah yeah but put a wet bud in there like some something you just harvest and just toss a bud in the jar for like a couple hours and it will rehydrate a little bit it's not going to help those terps but it'll rehydrate just a little bit just a just a tiny because i've yeah. had times before where i found a bag of some fire and i was like oh man this was my shit i wish i wouldn't have had it in a bag and then i was like well maybe i'll toss a little bud in there and just see what it does and, and sure shit i could smoke it in the blood and it was still pretty good yeah, wasn't yeah, as you, good. You, you're making the weed wet again. That's all. Just to make it smoke a little. Yeah, a lot of people said, you know, if it's dr- the drier it is, the, the harsher it is. And I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, adding in that wet bud, like Rob says, or, or even one of those humidity packs. A lot of people use those humidity packs. Maybe their uh, jar is at 50%. Um, it can bring it up. Um, now, you might not get all the way up to where you want it. Some people... Uh, you know, expect it. Some people like it at 50, 58%. Some people like it 62%. Um, some people like it in the middle of there. But uh, oftentimes, if you've over dried it, it's very, very difficult to bring it back up to that 58 to 62%. So, um, Agreed. how do you like how do you like your bud, boys, as we finish up? I, I, I prefer mine a little on the drier side. Myself. I like mine a little on the moisture side. I'm a blunt guy. So I like, I like my shit to burn nice and slow and go out on me once in a while. You know what I'm saying? I usually aim for the 62, 58, you know, it's fine as well. So in between there, it's good. Sweet. Ballpark. Hell, hell of a conversation, gentlemen. So too Fuck little, yeah. too early, too little, too late. Huh? huh? I don't know. Too <laughs> early good. or too late. I meant to say or too early, early too late, right. or just right. Yeah, or <laughs> just right. right. There it is, guys. Yeah. Wow, that was a great conversation. Um, if there's anything you guys felt that we'd left out when it comes to either being too early, too late, uh, let us know in the comment section below. Cultivating cannabis is all about timing. It really is, especially when it comes to your routine, excuse me, your routine and, and, and just the way that you're going to execute your tasks throughout the day. 
Um, you want to be able to keep an eye on things, maybe keep a notepad so that you can kind of keep track of where you are in the garden. But if we missed anything, let us know because we want to hear from you. That's kind of how it works around here. You influence the conversation no matter where we are. Big facts. Big facts. Well, yeah, that also, definitely was also, good. Yeah. Huh? Also, no. I was going to say, also let us know what topics you guys want us to cover in future episodes. So oftentimes we reach out to you guys, have some great ideas of things that we can discuss on future episodes. Uh, we'd love to hear that down in the comment section below. What do you want yeah. to hear for topics in the future? And if you're here on Twitch, stick around because we're going to be doing a live session right I'm after the rest this. of this. If you're on YouTube, don't forget we are live twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays over on twitch.tv slash from the stash podcast. On behalf of myself, ROBCLTV and Mr. Grow It, we are out of here. Take care, guys. Peace. Boom. Oh.